0: Thank you for being here today and um, enjoying the wind and the rain outside. I'm grateful to the Lord that it's not causing us danger, but certainly we want to be in prayer for those that are in the midst of what is a dangerous situation related to weather. So before we begin the sermon, we're going to pray for them. Also, we're going to pray for um, an accident that happened right out here at the intersection yesterday where the uh, two young girls and uh, a mom were struck by a vehicle. And uh, we want to pray for them. And then certainly, I'm sure in a room this size, there are many other prayer requests and needs. So as I'm praying, if you'll just take your need or the need of someone you know to the Lord, then we'll be able to start that way. So please join me this morning in praying. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come into your presence. We thank you for the privilege that, that we have through the blood of Christ um, to call on you, not just as a God, but the God, our God. Not just someone that's distant, but in fact lives inside of us through your Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you that even before we bow our heads and open our mouths, that, that you know what we need, and in fact, are even before that moment, making intercession for us. And God, I thank you that you're praying for us, that you are working for our good and on our behalf. And Father, I pray this morning as we open our Bibles, that we will open them and respond to teaching. That we will open them and respond to truth. That we will open them as students who are hungry to hear and to learn. And Father, this morning we we do pray for those that are displaced and in harm's way related to Hurricane Florence. Lord, for those families that have awakened to the reality of of death in their their family, Lord, we pray that you would give them comfort. God, we pray for the first responders, that you would guide their steps, that you would keep them safe. Lord, for those that are coming in behind the storm and providing relief, many who are providing relief in your name, God, we ask that you would grant them favor, that you would... um, help them to see each person as an individual and that they could respond in a way that would point people to the fact that that you are God alone and father this morning we do pray for the young ladies and the mom that were injured yesterday here on our corner um, at the intersection lord we pray for their recovery um, for their just their healing not only physically but emotionally Lord, we pray for them spiritually, that you would be absolutely their help in this time of trouble. God, I thank you that you have given us the opportunity today to sit in this room for this moment. Lord, help us not to be flippant with it, nor to waste it, but to use it to bring all glory to God our Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. We're still in this book, and we're going to be in it for a while. We have made our way to the last chapter. We're in Ephesians chapter 6, in a, uh, verses 1, 2, 3 today, and we'll read 4 because it's going to set the stage for next week. But before we begin, I want to share this thought with you. This, this idea of where we are, this section of where we are in Scripture goes all the way back to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. In Ephesians 5, and verse 18, it says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul is fixing to start talking to us, not about a a dissertation on alcohol or its merits or the lack of merits or anything like that. He's simply using an illustration here. He says, here's the command, don't be drunk with wine, because if you are, you're under the influence or control of something that is not you. He also says to the believer, he says, I don't want you to be controlled really by anything outside, but I want you to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And then when he goes into 19 and keeps on going in chapter 6, 1, 2, 3, and 4, he's talking to us about Christian relationships. In fact, you would notice that he says, I want you to walk in unity. I want you to walk in love. I want you to have these kind of relationships. And he talks to us about The wife, and he says the wife is to respond to her husband as uh, the church would to Christ. And he says the husband is to respond to the wife as Christ did to the church. And when we begin to understand how Christ responded to the church, we found out that he loved himself and he gave himself up for her. In other words, he made the ultimate sacrifice for her. And now, as we move from there in the husband and wife relationship, the family relationship, we're going to talk about the parent-child relationship. And he's going to give us two instructions here. The first instruction is to obey, and the second instruction is to honor. And the question would be, when do you quit obeying and when do you start honoring? Well, you start honoring from the beginning. You quit obeying when you move out and you're totally self-sufficient. So if you're 42 and you're still calling mama for 20 to buy gas, you need to listen to mama. Um, and you just need to hear me. That's where it works. Everything comes with a price. Um, And so that's what we're talking about. So the obedience, as long as you are in their house, under their care, and their provision is what causes life to happen for you. Honor happens not only from the beginning, but even post-mortem. It happens on into the fact that you would honor their memory. Tony um, Evans said this when he was talking about Matthew chapter 6 and Jesus was talking about we build our house on a foundation. He said that one man built his house on a sandy foundation and when the storms came the house blew up. He said there was another man that built a house on a rocky solid foundation and when the storm came that the house survived. We as followers of Christ need to build our house on the solid foundation of the Lord Jesus. Because here's the truth, the storms are coming. The spiritual attacks are coming. In fact, we're going to see in Ephesians 6 later on where it says that um, do everything when the evil day comes, stand. It's not if it comes, should it come, but when it comes, because it's gonna come. The storm, the question is not is the storm going to come, the storm is going to happen. Sometimes we'll have notice, as we did with Hurricane Florence, and we'll see it coming from the distance. Other times the storm will come like yesterday for the family, the young girls and the mom that I mentioned to you. They were here for a school fundraiser in our area and they were doing that and it came just like that. You don't know. That's why you want the foundation to be solid because you may not have time to board up the windows and prepare the house. So he's talking to us now and he says this. So we're talking about families and now when he slides into this parent-child relationship, he says children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, and here's the promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And I told you I'd read four to set up for next week, and it says, And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord." So there's two commands here. It's to hear and heed your parents, and it's also to honor your parents. We've looked at the overall context. We know that we're dealing with Christian families here. That's another important piece to this puzzle. He's not talking to families outside the church right now. He's talking to families in the church. And you say, well, how do we know that? We would go back to Ephesians chapter 1 where it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in ephesus so this is an instruction to the church to the members of the church to those who are naming the name of the lord jesus christ so it's written to those and he's writing to those that are in christ jesus now when you see the phrase in christ jesus in scripture it simply means those that have recognized that Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is the Savior, and that they have placed their faith and trust in Him. Now, the other phrase that Scripture uses is, in sin. In Christ Jesus means we're followers of Christ. In sin means that we have not yet come to the place where we have surrendered our hearts, our lives, to the Lordship and the salvation that comes through Christ. So Paul says, I'm not writing to those in sin. He says, I'm writing to those who are in Christ Jesus. So this morning, as a born-again believer, this instruction, if you are still a children, it's telling you what to do. If you're not still a children, bad English, but good point. Um, bad English, good point is if you're not a children, it tells you how to bring up the children. And it says that there's a promise in there that we need to understand that we want to know. Paul told us, again, we're talking about relationships. It's important for us to have this overall context because these commandments cannot be obeyed apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't be a godly husband apart from Christ. You can't be a godly wife apart from Christ. You can't be a godly child apart from Christ. Paul says, you must be in Christ. So if you want the best life, Or if you want to live your best life now, he says, this is what you do. You give your heart to Christ. You surrender to him. You submit to him. Storms are going to come. The evil day is going to come. But you have a foundation on which to build, recover, restore, and ultimately live out. So he gives us these commands. Hear and heed, obey, and to honor. So what is our responsibility towards our parents? You got your parents, you have your parents, what are you going to do with them? I know what I want my children to do with them. Get loaded and take me in and just say, come on, we're going to travel and do whatever. (laughs) But for real, you see, because some seasons of life, they're going to take care of you, of us. Other seasons of life, we're going to take care of them. We are planting the seeds for the future. We're demonstrating to society how to honor parents. So the first one is this, heed and hear your parents. God says to young people, boys and girls, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. The word there literally means hear under. That's the literal meaning. It carries the idea that the one who is hearing is under the authority of, of the one who is speaking. How many of you have either had a parent say to you or you've said to your children, you better listen to me. Oh, go ahead. Yes, that's a phrase we use because when we say it, listen to me, we're saying you're under my authority. What I'm about to say to you is something that will benefit or bless you in life. I was reading about one man. He said at 18 he thought his dad was the dumbest man in the world. At 21 he said it's amazing how much he had learned in three years. And that happens in life. There are going to be seasons where you look at your mom, your dad, and you're going to say, you know nothing. And then one day you're going to say, oh, wow, you knew more than I thought. It's better to learn it early the Scripture gives us good instruction. we hear here under, we're under the authority of the one who is speaking. Again, I think that's why parents say it so many times. Now listen to me. Proverbs 1, 8 and 9 tells us, you can see it in your outline. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto the head and chains upon thy neck. There, when we see it, the tense of the verb, it's present tense. It carries the idea of a continual command. It's not, I can choose today to obey and tomorrow I cannot. It's a continual command that says, do it now. Now, I told you I was going to introduce verse 4, because next week we're going to expand on it. There is a responsibility in parents to give good and godly leadership. That's why you seek first the kingdom of God. So that when you say, listen to me, you really do want them to listen to you, and it's to their benefit to listen to you. There have been times in anger that I looked at my children and said, listen to me, and I don't think it was God speaking, I think it was anger speaking. And we need to be careful of that. Because remember, salvation is an eternal relationship. Lordship and surrender are a moment-by-moment relationship. Where we, in the moment, when we're angry, we surrender and we say, Lord, give me the words in this moment to know what to say, how to say it. Now, if they're about to run out in the street in front of a car, you don't really worry. You just get the point across. But when you're leading them in life, you want to be wise. Because the scripture says, don't provoke them. So it says to heed and to hear, to understand. It says here that if we honor the father and the mother, if we forsake not the law, that it's grace upon your head. How many of you want grace on your head? I do. I want it there. And chains upon thy neck. So there's two things here. If we go back to this chapter 6 and we just start breaking it down for just a moment. It says, children... Obey your parents in the Lord. He gives us two reasons to heed their teaching. The first is, children, obey your parents in the Lord. There's a spiritual ramification here. It's an issue of obedience, an issue of surrender. It's an issue of saying that as I come under Christ, I will come under my parents. There's a spiritual understanding. And in our lives, whether we're the adult or whether we're the child, it is good for us to come under the teaching of the Lord. There is blessing under the umbrella of God. You say, well, what if my parents are not godly? Or what if my parents do this or do that? You see, when you submit to the Lord, your surrender to Him becomes His issue, not yours. Now, If they're asking you to do something illegal or if they're asking you to do something immoral, you need to reach out for help, okay? But I'm talking about in the context that Paul wrote this to the Christian parents who were begetting Christian children. He says, you may not like it, it may not always seem fair, but as you come under the lordship of Christ um, and then you come up under your parents, then you can look and say, hey God, mama's not fair today. Help me know how to respond. Because I want to tell you something. There is a human reaction. When you hear the words, do not do this, what do you really want to do? Oh, go ahead. Yes, we do. It's in us. We just like, don't touch the stove. Well, touch the stove until we touch it. And then we go, oh, wow, they may have a little knowledge there. Don't spend all your money in one place. Everybody else got a little bit of money. And you're broke. You say, whoa, they knew something. My sister nibbled her candy bar. I gulped mine. It tasted better. She had candy bar for days. I had candy bar for moments. I learned to compromise. Because my mom would say, don't eat it all at once, you'll want something later. That's what's going on here. He says, honor your parents. Listen to your parents. There's a spiritual understanding there. Because listen to me, disobedience in the scripture, it teaches us, is a definitely serious sin. One of those passages is Romans 1.30. Um, And there you find a listing of sins which are characteristic of a society that's in decay. He takes you down the sewer. He takes you down the depths. He takes you into the the sludge and the quagmire of depravity. And right in the midst of that, one of the characteristics of depravity is disobedience to parents. I mean, when he is listing some things that are ridiculous, in there he puts disobedience to parents on that list. Depravity is turning away. And there it is. So if he's going to put it there and he's going to make disobedience that significant, then we better understand. But let's keep on reading because, again, one text gives us an idea. second text is making a case when we can find a third thing that speaks to us. That's pretty much a slam dunk. We better listen no matter what we think. It talks about the characteristics of the last days just before Christ is to return. Right in the middle of those characteristics of the apostasy, which means the turning away from God, it mentions disobedience to parents. It's not only a mark of depravity, it's a mark of apostasy. It's a mark of turning away from the things that are God's. So listen to me, young people. When you have that urging in you to rise up, And you begin to justify, well, they said do this, but I'm going to do that. Remember, it's not just a momentary disobedience to mom or dad, but it's ultimately a disobedience to God, which also takes you out out from under the protection of your parents because you're going against what they said. But it also takes you out from under the umbrella of God's protection. That's a big deal disobedience to parents is a big deal. He says, there's a spiritual reason that I want you to obey. Rebellion is a sin that is significant. We're all born with the seeds of rebellion in our heart. Again, when we go back to and we hear the word don't, and it makes us want to do, then we need to take that attitude to God and say, Lord, help me. Because while it gives a little bit of a charge, a little bit of a thrill, ultimately it gives consequences that we regret. So he talks to us. He says, There's a spiritual reason that you need to obey your parents. But look, there's also a practical reason. Let's go back. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? It's just the right thing to do, it's just right. You obey them because of a spiritual reason. You want to honor them because, and obey them because God says to, because there's blessing to it. But the re- second reason is this. It's just right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. It's interesting if you study society, Christian society or non-Christian society, but every society has in it the obedience of children to parents. So even people that don't know God have understood that proper order means that children have to come under the authority of those over them. Now, you add to it the fact that the only wise God, the one who is causing all things to work together for your good, the one who says he will not leave you, will not forsake you, he says I'm a light to your path and a lamp to your path and a light to your feet, that God says obey your mom and your dad. He says if you will obey them, he says I will bless you. It's practical. It's right. It's not just God that says do it, but the proof of generations and cultures and nations that are long not here have had that in there. But listen to me. One of the key downfalls for every society that has fallen is the disintegration of the family unit. You better guard the family because so goes the family, so goes the nation. When we take value off the family and as followers of Christ when we take value off the family as the way God said it it hurts the home it hurts the person it hurts the home it hurts the church it hurts the community it hurts the state it hurts the nation it hurts the world. You say well What if where I am is not where I want to be? That's why we have 1 John 1, 9. That's why we have the blood of Christ on the cross. That's why we have Jesus who says, If you'll confess your sins, I will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. We have that he will restore the years the locusts have eaten. We We bring to him what we have and we say, Lord, I want to make it an offering to you today. I want you to forgive me. I want you to restore me. I want you to help me take this and bring honor to you. And God delights in that. God loves it. You cannot get so far from Him that His grace cannot reach you. You cannot get so far from Him that His mercy mercy has no limits. You cannot be forgiven inside limits because the Scripture says as far as the east is from the west, He separates us from our sin. It's practical. It's right. No matter where you are today can be the new day that you come back to Him. He says it's the right thing to do. Obedience to your parents is not only written in Scripture and not only written in society, but it's written in your heart. It's etched in your DNA. You say, not in mine. Yes, it is. What should I do, Mama? What do you think, Daddy? Hey, Grandma, How would you handle this? It's there. It's written. Don't fight it. There's a blessing. It brings good to you. Okay, so he says to heed and to hear, obey your parents. He says to do it because it has spiritual ramifications of blessing. He says to do it because it's the right thing to do for yourself and for society. But then he says to us to honor your parents. Now we're shifting a little bit. Children obey. Those are the ones who are still under the provision and the influence of their parents. Children, honor your parents. Now speaks to everybody in this room. If you had a mom or dad at one point in your life, raise your hand. Oh, wow. That's everybody. We're here. And now we are to honor them. And for some of us, it's going to take work. It will take work to say, I honor you, mama. I honor you, daddy, because I have no idea... So you begin to think, okay, if I have someone as a parent who is not honorable, then what can I honor them for? Don't you do something? Everybody on three, take a deep breath. One, two, three. Because through them, God chose to give you life. Okay? You can honor them for that. Because through them, you're here. And through them, you're able to sit in a church. And you're able to hear and read the word of God and to sing praise. We can honor those that are not honorable. We honor their life, we honor their presence, we honor their memory. That's what the scripture is telling us. He says, honor them. Now, here comes the promise again: honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. You know, there's six hundred and thirteen commandments in the Bible, and. We're all the way into the book of Ephesians before we get to the first one with a promise. And isn't it amazing that the one that God chooses to speak up and make a promise to is to the first institution that He ever created all the way back in the book of Genesis when He made the husband and the wife and He told them to be fruitful and multiply. He says, honor this. I created it back there. It is my avenue to which I want to... Tell the world about our relationship and who I am. He says, now, as children, I want you to honor your father and your mother. He also says he wants us to honor him. One of the ways we honor him is by honoring them. So obey, honor. Obey is an action. Would you agree with me? Pick up your clothes. I can pick up my clothes like this. I don't want to do it. I hate to do it. But I did it. So that means I obeyed. Honor is an attitude. Go pick up your clothes. Oh boy, woohoo! I'm going to pick up my clothes. How amazing is that? I get to pick up my clothes. Do you have anything you want me to pick up for you? That ain't going to happen, but I thought I'd throw it in there. That's the redeemed version, okay? But. But there it is. So honor says, I mean, obey says, I'm going to do it. Honor says, I'm going to do it with a glad heart, with respect. And even if I don't do it with a happy smile, I do it out of respect for who sent me to do it. It's right. We do it. You honor your parents. The precept of honoring your parents is also written into society. We're taught to honor our parents. Disrespect is an ugly thing. You know what I'm talking about? You're out and you see it. And probably your first thought is, oh, not in my house. (laughs) A little bit judgmental, but you know what I'm talking about, right? That wouldn't happen at my house. (laughs) Listen to me, Mom and Dad. Grandparents, mentors, aunts, uncles. Allowing our children to be disrespectful. Allowing them to get their way. While in the moment it kind of feels right, and in the moment it may eliminate the scene, It is not what's best for them. Because the moment that they grow up and they get in the real world and they're not your little precious, people don't care. So as you teach them to honor and respect you, you're also laying the foundation for them to honor and respect God. Because the home is the metaphor for the Christian life. So it's very important. What's the easiest word in the world to say? Huh? Yes. Oh, no, 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 no. Yes. Because yes just kind of takes care of it, right? No ta- yes does not take discipline. No takes discipline. Why? Because sometimes you've got to say no to something you really want to do to teach the greater lesson of respect to the child. So you may miss out. You may miss something you want to do to help the child become the person that God wants them to be. Honor. Respect. There will be times you'd like to go, so Chad, will you shut that door for me? It's a little loud out there. Um, yeah. Honor. Honor respect obey you do it does it cost you yes it's a lot easier to say oh go it's fine don't worry about it it's hard to do that so that's what the scriptures telling us let's just go back to it so it says honor your parents obey as an act uh, obey as an action honors an attitude what are some biblical examples of someone that could have made the case that he did not need to honor his mom, King Solomon. King Solomon was the product of an adulterous relationship. It caused him to lose a brother. But this is what the scripture says, that King Solomon, when he walked into the room, his mom walked into the room, it says that he left his throne and bowed down to his mom. That's respect. He didn't have to. He didn't have to if she'd been the perfect mom. He didn't have to bow down to her because he was the king, and that day the king didn't have to get up for anybody. In fact, even the king's wife had to get permission to go into the king's presence, and she couldn't go unless the king said, come on in. But his mom walked in the room, he got up, he went to her and he bowed down. What's another example of respect in the Scripture? Jesus, when he's hanging on the cross, he looks at his disciple and he says, I'm not going to be here. Take care of her like I would. That's what it looks like. That's where it, when we begin to talk about how to do it. We have biblical examples of honor your parents. And here's the promise. Again, the promise is attached to it, that it may go well with you and you may live long on the earth. Honor thy father and thy mother is the fifth commandment. It's the first one that God says between relationships, between humanity, if you want to honor me, honor your father and your mother. It's repeated six times in the New Testament. Six times the Bible repeats the command, Honor thy father and thy mother. He says in the text right here that it's the first commandment with the promise. What's the promise? The good life, the the better life, the, the, the blessed life. He talks about that it will live well. But that does bring up a question, by the way. And you have to ask it. You have to be fair to it. What if someone dies early, young, Does that mean that they absolutely did not honor and obey parents? I don't think so. I mean, you look at the life of Christ. You could not live a better life than the Christ life, and yet at 33 years old, he sacrificed. No, there are consequences to sin. It's not a blanket statement, rule of thumb, that says every time this is what happens, honor mom and you live to be old, honor mom and dad and you you grow up rich. No. But it is a principle that says, if you want your best life, your best life is one that honors mom and dad. Your best life is, if mom and dad says, don't drink and drive, and you listen to them, you might live longer. Right? Absolutely. Growing up, my father had a boat. My father said, Chris, don't drive too close to docks. If you drive too close to docks, one day you're going to get distracted and you're going to run the boat right into the dock. One day I was in the boat. Didn't listen to what Daddy said. Drove close to a dock. Or was riding at this particular time, riding close to a dock, but I was well too involved. Boat went right through the dock. Boards don't give. My friend had knee surgery because the board pinned his leg up against the boat. I could give you some other examples of where not listening didn't pay. But I'm telling you what Scripture says is that if you do this, that is what happens. There are two sons in the Bible besides the ones that I gave to you that I thought about this week. There was Absalom. Absalom was the son of David. Absalom got upset with his father and decided that he would steal the kingdom. He not only stole the kingdom, he stole the hearts of the people. He drove his father out of the kingdom. He was going to kill his father, yet before it was all over with, Absalom was hanging on a tree and his life was cut off. There's another one, Joseph. In Genesis, not Joseph, the father of Jesus. Joseph was thrown in a pit. Joseph was thrown into slavery. Joseph was put into prison. Joseph had a lot of different things happen in his life. But ultimately, at the end of his life, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. And God used him to be the provider of his entire family and ultimately the tool that God used for his people. He respected. So how do we do this thing? If we disobey, we confess, we apologize for not doing that. If we struggle with honoring our parents, I think we begin to just do what we did a moment ago. God, give me something that I can honor. Give me something that I can remember give me something that i can look and say i thank you god because mom and dad are i thank you god because mom and dad were it's a very important part of the process the scripture does make the promises so that it goes well with you you say well what does that really mean well it, the, the well may only be that you're in right relationship with god Everything else around you may still have storms and trials and struggles. But if all you get from it is right relationship with God, God says, this is what I will do for you. To obey is better than sacrifice. To obey means that I will put my blessing on your life, that I will preserve you, I will protect you. Today, as we close. I encourage you to obey your parents. I encourage you to honor your parents. To hold them in respect. Honor them by making their investment in you. Honor them by taking that investment and giving a return to life. Honor to God. Honor them by being a man and a woman, a child in our community that people can look to and be proud of, they can look to and see Christ. How does that begin? It begins with a personal relationship with God through His Son, Christ. If you have not yet accepted Christ as your Savior, please don't leave today without answering that question or solidifying that relationship. We will be here at the end of the service. We can talk with you about how to know that you have a personal relationship with, his, with God through His Son, Christ. Today, if you have been in this place of disobedience or you've been in this place of dishonor, then this is the moment that you can come and say, God, I was wrong. I'm still struggling with my attitude about mom and dad, but I don't want to struggle with my attitude about you. So today, God, no matter what else is going on, whatever things are happening in my life right now, God, I'm going to come under your umbrella. God, as I come under your umbrella, I'm going to ask you to show me how to live out this passage of Scripture. You see, because we may not can answer all the questions in this moment, but we can answer one question. God is good, and God is for you. And so today you come and say, today I come under that. We can work on all the other stuff. And God is patient. God sees the heart. God understands. So we can come to Him. So it's salvation. It's surrender. It's coming under God's leadership. There's strength in numbers. We can respond today by uniting with a church and saying we're going to do life together. High or low, thick or thin, we're here. We're going to do life together, and we want to honor God that way. Some of you may want to come and pray and say, Lord, help me not to exasperate my children, provoke my children. Some of you may come in and simply say, God, show me, help me. I'm the one hurting, and that's okay. Or you may want to come and say, God, thank you, because all of those things, thank you for the blessings in my life. Or it may be the first step of honor to a parent that for a lifetime that you've said, I can't honor. As to the Lord, just say, Father, today I'm alive, so thank you. I honor. So, Lord Jesus, this morning we come to you. As we have a time to respond, we respond out of thanks. And we thank you for our parents. God, we begin by saying thank you that through them you chose to give us life and have us here on earth. And God, through them, we're alive right now and we are alive to hear about the grace of God and the mercy of God and the promises of God. We're alive to hear that, that you forgive when we confess and repent. We're alive to hear that, that there is a road back to you. God, we're alive to say thank you to you. And Father, I, I ask that we not get distracted Father I ask that as we are um, in this moment that we could block out the day the tomorrow and just for a moment seek you Lord, I pray for every mom and dad in this room as they have the amazing and awesome and even daunting task of parenting for grandparents and and people of influence over children's lives. Lord, would you strengthen them, sustain them? Father, I pray for our children in in the church. Lord, that they would understand that that obedience to mom and dad is really obedience to you. And God, as they obey you, I pray that you would bless them, bless their lives and their their young minds, that you would protect them, that you would keep them from the evil one. And Lord, when there are storms and trials in their lives, God, that you would help them to, to know your presence in those moments to endure, not by might and not by power, but by your spirit. God, I pray for those that are in conflict about things that mom and dad asked to do. Lord, that you would make it clear that you would provide for them a way. And Lord, certainly I pray for the children in our community that do not enjoy or have the benefit of a parent or an influence in their life. God, I pray that you would help them to cross paths with people that know you, people that love you, and that people that want to love them. And God, that if we can be a part of that process, that you would show us how to help bring up children in the nurture And the admonition of God. Lord we pray for our homes. Our marriages. Our families. As we stand and sing. We invite you to come, to pray, to talk. But most importantly, we invite you to reach out to God and say, speak, Lord, to me. Let's stand.